The preliminary round is over. Norway destroy Group A. Sandra Toff destroys Sweden. Christina Niagu finally shows up and breaks the Macedonian hearts. And Spain celebrated German goal. All on the latest Uninformed Handball Hour. It's Chris O'Reilly now in Ljubljana. Alex, still in Copenhagen. Hi, Chris. Almost in Ljubljana. Almost in Ljubljana. And Brian, far from Ljubljana in lovely Skopje. How are you doing, Brian? Yeah, still in Skopje. I got asked for my picture today outside the arena when I was leaving. Hello. Uh, There was this guy stopping loads of players getting selfies and he goes to me, selfie? And I go, you want a selfie with me? And he goes, yeah. And I go, do you you listen, do you know the podcast? And he's like, podcast? I was like, oh. Uh, He said, why do you want a picture with me? And he goes, I saw you had a big camera on the court. I thought you must be someone important. <laughs> and then I go, no, I just, I just, I just do videos for social media. And he's like, oh. And I said, you still want to photograph? He's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Did you at least tell him about the podcast? <laughs> the uninformed handball hour reaching great heights, or not? Yeah. Well, Brian, you did. Uh, I saw on the home of handball Instagram account that you were you're playing some warm up football in the center of the court with Romania. Yeah, I kind of got dragged into a. I was filming them and then their physio took my camera and then he insisted that I join join one of the teams that were playing a bit of, t- of uh, football tennis. If you listen to this on Thursday morning, you probably still have time to check it out uh, and see some of my football skills. I, I, I purposely put up some of my bad shots and uh, left the, the zingers <laughs> <laughs> for later. I, t- <laughs> I did actually get one zinger, but I was like, oh, it's a bit, a bit weird to put that up. Like, so. <laughs> You're dominating the Romanian team. I put, I put one of our messages tennis, up a bit. Football like, tennis. Know, keep, 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 keep it humble. <laughs> uh, look pretty good to me. Look pretty good. I think we should start in Group D, where we have seen brilliant. I mean, if you're Polish, you're not going to like this. If you're anyone else, you're going to find it hilarious. I think that's the way to look at this. So there was an interesting scenario heading into the the final game in Group D between Spain and Germany. And uh, it meant that if Spain had got a victory over Germany, we're going to have a three-way tie. And two teams would go through to the main round. One team would be left behind. So in this case, Germany needed to lose by two goals or fewer. Or they could lose by three and score 21 goals. The score with one minute left was 23-20 to Spain. So as things stood, Germany were out of the competition. They had an attack. They took a timeout. They planned what they were going to do. And then Alina Greisels traveled, turned the ball over. <laughs> While some of the Spanish players started celebrating what was almost guaranteed, like, you know, a great victory, Jennifer Gutierrez realized, hmm, this isn't right. If Poland go through, we're going through to the main round with zero points. But if Germany go through, 
we go through with two points. So Jennifer Gutierrez runs around one of her teammates to get to the loose ball as quickly as possible and throws it towards the empty net <laughs> about seven or eight meters high and wide of the post. Uh, Germany get into possession again. Uh, go down the other end of the court. Now the entire Spanish team has caught on to the situation, it seems. Uh, they completely allow Germany to walk the ball into the back of the net. <laughs> and Paula Arcos puts her hands up in celebration, going, yes! And then realizes very quickly, <laughs> oh wait, I shouldn't be celebrating this, and drops her arms down into a kind, a kind of a prayer pose. <laughs> Incredible. And with that, oh, Germany incredible. go through losing 23-21. Poland, poor Poland, left knocked out. But, folks, what goes around comes around. Because in 2014, at the men's EHF Euro, Poland had a very similar situation where they had to win against Russia in the final group phase game by two goals in order to progress with two points and knock Serbia out of the competition. They won 24-22. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. I think two, two wrongs don't make a right. That That's my saying on that one. Uh, I, I feel heartbroken for Poland. But also watching that, I, I, was, I had no idea what was going on. Because in my head, I thought it, they needed to win by four. That's why I was absolutely shocked when uh, the Spanish player picked up the ball and launched it into the top of the arena above the goal. I was like, oh, I can't believe you've just taken this ridiculous full-court shot. You still had time. And then kind of realized that something something else is going on here. But it really, you know, uh, it is bad sportsmanship. Is it, though? It's smart. Yeah, but, it's... but if it's a choice between taking zero points into the main round and taking two points into the main round, you want to progress as far as you can. I don't think it's. A, I mean, it. It's kind. It's. It's a terrible situation. But Spain were just doing what was best for Spain. If they didn't do it, it's, we might have been saying, "Oh, why didn't you do that?" I mean, you could have just let in an easy goal, and they probably would have been doing planning on doing it anyway. But then Germany had to go and give the ball away, <laughs> so they had to give it back. Yeah, I think it's. <laughs> I think it's because it was so, it was obvious. so obvious at the I end. Think it was because it was so obvious that it felt if. Yeah, if Germany just played their normal attack and scored, I don't think anyone would notice. But the fact that it was so obvious that the Spanish player launched it away and then uh, the defenders parted like the Red Sea as Xenia Smiths got the ball. And it was really funny because Germany were about to go into a movement and start like doing something fancy in attack. And then they, even though the defense was parting, they made it a three extra passes before actually going like, Oh, actually, yeah, yeah, we can go through here. And it must be so weird for Germany as well. They were really disappointed. I don't think they even realized that they were through until uh, <laughs> later. You know, they, they probably thought they got knocked out despite that consolation goal in the last second. Uh, and the <laughs> and they, uh, they probably clicked for them that they got through. Um, so really, really lucky uh, for Germany. The, the luckiest... Um, yeah, luckiest you can get, really, and heartbroken for Poland, who are very good. Are yeah, very uh, they put up a good fight against uh, against Montenegro, but it was the Jovanka Radicevic show, twelve goals from thirteen, bowing out in the uh, Maracha Hall in style, and Montenegro go marching on towards Skopje, and uh, I'm, I bet you're looking forward to that, Brian. 
yeah, I'm hopefully looking forward to a bit of, a bit of that atmosphere because I mean the atmosphere has been okay here as well. But I think hopefully with some Montenegro fans in town, it should amp it up a bit because I think they had hands down the best atmosphere of all the venues. Um, I'm not sure what it's like in Ljubljana, but I don't think it was anywhere close to as as crazy of the scenes we saw in uh, in Pogorica. So I'm hoping for a bit of that. And yeah, I think it's that's uh, I don't know probably the highlight story so far maybe of the tournament that she's one played so well and then that Montenegro also have played so well and twelve goals in your last home game is just bonkers. Yeah, and it's I, kind of Kobe Bryant. It's really funny. She only missed one shot, and that was when she got really cocky halfway into the game, or actually fifteen minutes into the game with five goals from five shots. She she had a seven meter penalty and did the the most terrible lob shot uh, on the seven from the seven meter mark, which went over. But uh, that was the only shot she missed. She scored three lobs from the wing, a couple of empty net goals, and. I think the whole arena was bouncing with her. She was reacting to every goal like she'd scored in the World Cup final. It was it was uh, just huge passion. The whole arena was with her um, for every goal. And then the tears at the end. Because I think she, she tried to keep it together. She was really strong. And at the end, even when like this, the, the Montenegrin team came up to her and started like picking her up and everything she was holding it together uh but eventually she just she just broke um and the the tears came out and the the support got louder um i'd say it was louder than the 122 decibels that we heard um a couple of days ago um it was it was amazing and then they all left all of the fans left (laughs) as as they do in this part (laughs) of the world it seems (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah i still don't understand that anyway anyway um we may as well stay in what happened tonight and uh, in brian's hometown of skopje christina niago brian she uh turned up and dragged romania kicking and screaming into the main round uh, with 10 goals from 14 it was close at half time they, they won pretty comfortably with 31 23 in the end but 13 12 at half time against north macedonia i i i mean we talked about how nervy they'd probably be. Did, were they actually that nervy? It seemed to you. Uh, it kind of felt like both sides were quite were quite nervy, to be honest. And I, after the first thirty minutes, I was just looking at some of the Romanian faces, and I kind of felt like, and just for off some of the the reactions off the bench, I think I felt like they're not quite as up for this as I thought they would be. But when they came out in the second half, then I think Macedonia had a good about forty minutes, and then it, and then it was. Uh, Christina then running the show and she really and, mm. they, and they really started Romania really started to take over and and in the end it was there was quite a big quite a big difference between the teams but it was good to see at least Macedonia give a good half and a good 40 minutes uh for that for the home for the home crowd um but they were st- still a good bit at a good level below uh, Romania but it would be interesting to think what Romania are going to be like without Christina Niago so it's going to be Interesting to see when she does uh, retire, which is this this is her last Euro. But yeah, ten goals, and she hasn't. Niago has not been good in this tournament so far. Uh, her shooting hasn't been on. It feels like she wasn't fully committed. Maybe she was just holding it back a little bit or something. I don't know. Um, but in this game, uh, she was fully committed to every attack, to every shot, and fully committed to breaking North Macedonian hearts. So. Uh, a good win for Romania, but uh, yeah, not entirely 
uh, impress overall. But I do want to ask you guys, like, should we start counting Montenegro as a serious contender for a medal in this championship? I think there are serious contenders for the semi-final. And once you're in the semi-final, there's a 75% chance of you getting a medal. So yes. <laughs> the, the long answer. The I'm, long I'm, ta- I'm talking like <laughs> se- serious contender. You know, we're talking uh, they can <clears throat> a team that can beat France and uh, Norway or Denmark. You know, that that's the that's the level of contender I'm talking about. You know, making to the semi-final is being better than the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, that's what we're talking about. But I think, yeah, for sure, Montenegro are capable of that. Can Montenegro, you know, be more than that? I would say yes. If they, if they get to a final weekend, this is really looking forward now. But if they get to a final weekend, they have a chance of winning one of two matches. That's all you need to do. And on a given day, Montenegro could beat a team like Denmark or a team like Sweden and get a medal. So, but still not France or no. They don't no need right. to. They don't need <laughs> to. They, <laughs> they, they could lose to France, finish second in the group, then lose the semi-final to uh, the main round group, f- lose to Norway in the semi-final, and then win the bronze medal match. Stop being so mathematical about it, Chris. <laughs> I don't know why you're seeing a problem with this. <laughs> All they have to do is beat one of those teams, and they have to beat the Netherlands, probably. That I think that's going to be the the key showdown there. <laughs> it doesn't seem so far fetched after all, is it? <laughs> no, I think your I think your answer was just a bit too clinical for what he wanted. He wanted some blood and guts kind of thing. Well, no, but that's that's where they that's where they could beat a team like Denmark or Sweden on a given day with blood and guts, <laughs> like being this severe pain in the arses that they know they are and that everyone else knows they are. I think that can have a they can have that effect on teams in the same way that Croatia did against Denmark in the bronze medal two years ago and how Montenegro always seemed to beat Sweden. It's because of that. So, yeah, I do. I I see there's a pathway. Why why, do you, why are you so surprised by that? I, I'm not surprised. I, I, I just, uh, I, I'm surprised generally with Montenegro in this tournament so far. Um, I wasn't expecting them to be as good. I think they're big story. Of the tournament so far, I think the Montenegro, the country, is the big story of the tournament so far. It's been a pleasure watching them. I do want to see how they will do outside of their home arena, pretty much. Uh, I think that will impact them. And there's this, there's also this weird feeling of, you know, it felt like the end of a season uh, after the game this uh, this evening. Um, they, you know, they were all getting together, they're celebrating, they're, you know, it was this kind of end of an era feeling, even though they're right in the crux in the middle of the tournament. So, um, yeah. I think I think they're good at that, though, because, I mean, uh, with Jovanka, it's like, surely all this uh, outpouring of emotion has, like, a negative effect on you as a player, but she always says, no, I need that in order to be the player I am. So I think they, they get back up for it pretty well. And I think Skopje will become... A home, a home venue for Montenegro all over again. I could think about Radicevic and her impact on Vardar, for example. And those Montenegrin fans are going. There's going to be a fair amount of traveling fans. There, there has to be. If there's not, I'll be really disappointed. 
I think they they will travel. What is let's see, Pod Ooh, I, ju- I was just looking at it. to F- five Skopje. and a half hour drive. Skopje to Pod That's, not so, That's not so bad. Yeah, that's handy. Yeah. Up and back in well, the same day. Let's stay for the whole week. Why not? <laughs> we're still we're still in group oh halfway through group C. Uh so before we talk about before we talk about France Netherlands, which I thought would be the highlight of this podcast, but there's a lot of other good highlights. Uh shall we go into the chat you had with the players, Brian, and then talk about the game? After the France Netherlands game, I was in the in the mix zone after the game and I had a very quick word with Estelle Enzaminko, also with Nikita van der Fleet from the Netherlands. So talk to me about the first half. Yeah. What were your impressions there? What, what were you um, saying at halftime in the dressing room? Yeah, my impression was with that we had a lot of opportunities, but uh, their goalkeeper was on fire in the first half. So, yeah, <laughs> we had a lot of good opportunities to... To score, uh, our system was were, were working. I felt we were good in defense as well. I felt that at the beginning we were really in control of the game, but somehow we didn't manage to, yeah, score. So uh, suddenly the, the the confidence or changed sides somehow. Like I felt that they they gained more confidence, and we were a little like, wow, okay, what's happening here? But still, we were leading at halftime. So, and after we were leading, yeah, basically the whole game, right? With at least one. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of felt from the outside like you were both taking five minutes on, five minutes off. And it was yeah. kind of going over and back like that. Yeah, maybe, maybe, it, yeah, maybe it felt like this. Actually, it was such a strange game, I feel like. At some point in the second half, we were under with uh, two players, uh, no, they were under with two players we didn't manage to score and then 10 minutes later the opposite scenario they were and uh, they didn't score as well so <laughs> I don't know the rhythm was really strange but uh, yeah, we, make it, we made it so it's most important uh, when, when you come up against a keeper like that who's having such a hot streak how do you not let that get to you or how do you what do you do psychologically to not let that bother you because she was really on fire there for certain parts of that match yeah she was but actually we got it affected a little like of course you know who wouldn't be uh, of course as a player if we miss some goals in a row it's it's not easy but uh, yeah I think we managed to keep uh, uh, the result on our side with uh, a good defense uh, I think uh, I think it's been a while since um, Netherlands scored uh, 24 goals so they were more in a 34 goals average so yeah I think we we won with defense today if you had to give uh, or if you have to uh, rate your own personal game today where did where would you put it on the on the score chart mm, average average yes okay. I would put average I don't know I, I felt they were quite strong on me in defense uh, I couldn't really like play my my one against one and then I um, I uh, got t- twice two minutes, so yeah, at some point it, it put the team in danger a little, especially the one at the end. So I'm a little, yeah, sad with that. And all the preparation you did for this game <laughs> the last day or two, did they, did they surprise you at all with how they set up, or is that exactly what you expected from them? Um, actually, it was quite what we expected, but. Uh, but yeah, what we expected was to play against a strong team. Yeah. So it was exactly what we expected. Well, thanks very much.
and best of luck for the next games. Thank you. Thank you. So obviously not the result you wanted. No. But <laughs> playing against France, this is their best start ever in a Euro. They're a very, very good French team, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really good team. And I think um, we still take two points to the next round. But I think we should be proud of ourselves that we um, have had such a good game against France. So... Was it what you expected? Coming to the, you, I mean, you know how France play, but did they do anything that to surprise you in any way? Um, I think we just analysed them really good, and I think we just have a really good opportunity how we should play against them, and I think that helped us today to play the game we wanted to play. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get the points we won, but I think we should just look forward now. And for you personally on the line, I was shooting video for the whole match. It looked like you were taking... I can show you the video I was okay. taking here. <laughs> And you were uh, having a very tough time in there on the line. The middle block is, is, is quite... They're really else. big and they are really strong and they were kept fighting with me all the time and I got some hits on my head sometimes. And But I think we should just work hard and as like you can see... There's no space there at all, huh? <laughs> no, as you can see, they are just keep uh, pushing me and hanging on me, but... I think it's also working for the team because I have two players around me. Yeah. So there must be spaces somewhere. Um, but even then I didn't got the ball or I didn't got a shot, it doesn't matter. I think there's enough spaces for other teammates and I think that helps us also a lot. So if you meet France again later in the tournament, what do you think are the biggest lessons you learned today? Um, score the big opportunities we have, the 100% chances and some of the wing changes we missed I think that's the most we have to focus on that we score because then we are I think we should win the game today if we had scored those chances and next time we look to the small details and then we will see how we end up there Thanks very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you to Estelle and Nikita for the chat after the game. Obviously, the Dutch were hugely disappointed, but this was this is the best start a French team has ever had in a Euro. So it's a very, very good French side. And I was talking to Estelle there about the ebb and flow of that game. It felt like both teams were taking five minutes to be good, five minutes to be bad, and five minutes to be good, back and forth for the whole game. And I think it was really then, I think France just had that, I don't know, that je ne sais quoi, uh, towards the end uh, their defense just has their, their defense is just incredible and I think that really made the difference they were they had them just slightly more figured out when when uh, push came to shove and then the Dutch I think felt a little bit of the pressure and then were scuffing some of their shots that they should have really scored so maybe the pressure got a bit to them there and they were massively massively disappointed after the game obviously it felt like a, a mini final for them um, but Honestly, I think the Dutch did better than I expected. And I know the Dutch played really well up until this point. But just my feeling going into it, I felt France had a bit of an easier time overall in the lead up to this match. And I felt like the Dutch maybe were being a bit more tested in their two games before this. Uh, so I was pleasantly surprised by uh, by the Dutch side. Because I feel like when we think back to Dutch teams in the past, when you think of Nicky Hout or uh, Yvette Brock and all the the ones who had big success over the years... I think this Dutch time, while it does still have some of the older names in there, we are now really starting to, to kind of cement these newer players into the team. And there's a lot of them coming into coming into their own now. I mean, even players like Zoe Springer's on the wing, uh, Bovan Veiting, they really are starting to put a foothold in this team, which is great to see because 
a lot of people at the beginning might thought, oh, this is the golden generation of Dutch players years back. But now we see, no, they have a bit of a conveyor belt, very much like Norway do, of young talent. In kind of a similar way to Montenegro, there was maybe a bit of a worry that they weren't going to produce another batch of players to come through. And uh, as you said, they're all really cemented into the team now. But uh, you mentioned the defense there, Brian. Uh, The the goalkeepers managed twice as many saves, which... Uh, then the the Dutch keepers. Do you think that had that was a lot to do with the defensive play that they forced the shots for Darla and uh, to a lesser extent Florian Andre to make the saves? Uh, Chris, I don't know. What, what, do you know what that question means? What are you asking me? Do you give credit to the defense for the the saves that they made because they made twice as many saves and you were you were impressed with the defense? Like was it was it because the defense made it easy for the goalkeepers? Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, that's a yeah. It's very late at night, Chris. Sorry, it was a very easy question. <laughs> there was just so many words there. I was kind of getting confused. Uh, <laughs> Brian, did the defense help the keepers? Uh, yes, I think. <laughs> no, the, the it'd be a very defense. short podcast if they were the words yeah, we be. used. Yeah. Montenegro medal? Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Join us next time on the Uniformed Handball Hour. Um, no, the, 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 the French defence, that middle block is, is so brutal. And I spent, as, I, as you heard in the interview there, I spent part of the game filming the line, so Nikita van der Fleet on the line. And it was just incredible just to see her isolated there, the work she was trying to do just to get an app, to get any inch of space there. And it's just like, and I was talking to her after the game and i was saying is that normal and she's like no it's that it's really really extra hard when you're playing against the french team because they're they're just their middle block is quite notorious and uh yeah it's really it's a it's a rough day out for line players especially because you're getting the, the the brunt of it in there in that uh french defense but that combination with uh, uh with a keeper like cleobatra dolo is just uh it's an incredible mix, but Yara Tenholte was a, was also she was on a, an absolute hot streak as well. So she really kept the Dutch in it for quite a long time because there were periods as well where you felt like oh the French are starting to get a, a foothold here, but she just pulled out these really necessary saves that kind of kept the game alive more or less. I think quite interesting for this tight game is that there were so few two minutes as well, just three for France and two for the Netherlands. So uh, pretty clean overall. It didn't look like that though. Uh, it looked actually <laughs> I mean from what I saw anyway it looked like the referees were being very very lenient that they could have actually probably given a lot, a lot more a few more two minutes there were some really some big hits going in <clears throat> but that was also to do maybe with players like were absolutely throwing themselves into 1v1s so maybe that's the way they, the, the referees were seeing it but it did look like it was people all over the ground at certain points and it was definitely a very, very physical game. But it's been a, it's been a tournament for the goalkeepers this time around. Uh, there's been some pretty insane performances. As I said, Cleopatra Zarlo got uh, 13 saves against the Netherlands there. I think especially in the first half, um, she uh, kept uh, the French ahead. Um, but she has 47% overall in the tournament so far. Um, which is pretty, pretty insane after three games. And she's not even, she doesn't even have the highest pers- saving percentage. That goes to Celia Solberg, who has a 47.8 save percentage across three games. So 33 saves, um, in three matches. It's in, insane. And, you know, Sandra Toft, we saw 
at one stage, I think 20 minutes into the first half against Sweden, Sandra Toft had uh, 80% save rate. Uh, and overall on the tournament, she's she's a low 36.8, you know. Tia Pijevic, your favorite, Brian, uh, 37.1%. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's it's the goalkeepers have had it. And especially it seems like every first half in a tight game, there's one goalkeeper or second goalkeeper that or both goalkeepers that are shutting the teams out. Um, and then it gets a little bit looser in, in the second half. But I think I've tweeted many times in this tournament of like, this goalkeeper has 10 saves at halftime and then they finish with like 13 or 14. Um, and I think that comes down to this combination of defensive effort and goalkeepers just being there. Uh, but it's just insane performances all around. I think that leads us nicely on to the Group B yesterday. And that you mentioned Sandra Toff there. That was a fantastic defensive performance from Denmark in the first half against Sweden. Well, even at times the defense didn't look that good, but then Sandra Toff was just ridiculous. Uh, it was such a, it was such an odd game. It was weird. It was weird. It looked like Denmark were absolutely head and shoulders. But I was really surprised by the first because I was watching it downstairs here in the hotel and the French players were watching it and Per Johannesson was there watching it as well. And obviously Per Johannesson is Swedish. So he wasn't uh, he wasn't loving the first yeah. 30 minutes. And every time <laughs> he saved, he was almost standing up and almost walking away. Like, you know, he's like, I can't believe this. Like, you know. <laughs> um but it was it was just an absolute bonkers performance from her. But there was one part of the game as well where she where the where the ball was just lying close to her and she was ordering the defender to get the ball for her. I was like, it's when you're playing that well, I think you can do that, like you know. <laughs> but it was, it was thirteen five at halftime, so five goals uh, for Sweden. Uh, poor Natalie Hagman, who has been just a superstar uh, in the tournament so far, just being completely shut down by Sandra Toft. It was. Uh, she just had her uh, on fast breaks, on wing shots, on seven meter shots. It, it was Sandra Toff there. And I just have to give a huge shout out to Katrina Heindal in the center, the line player for Denmark, the center block, who had seven blocks in the game. That's the most I've ever seen from, I, I'm not sure if this is an official stat, but. Uh, over the last couple of years, that's definitely the most I've seen from one player in a game uh, recorded blocks. Just Sweden couldn't couldn't get anywhere near, like, or couldn't get around her huge arms in that center block. Well, that was until, until they until. threw a twenty until they threw on a twenty year old who had a grand total of thirteen seconds of action before this game. Tira Axner and you remember, guys, we spoke to Michaela Messing in the pre-championship podcast. And I asked about uh, T-Rex there and Messing was like, she has, she's a player who can change a game. When she goes on, her job is going to be get the ball and shoot. As long as she's shooting, she's going to get to play. And what happened? She got the ball and she shot like there was no tomorrow. And holy shit. Like, it was incredible. 13 shots in one half. That is just, that's the type of thing only a 20-year-old shoulder can uh, withstand yeah. and nine goals out of that <laughs> and just the the jumps that that what mm -hmm. that's what impressed me the most because as i said uh, Katrine Heindal had seven blocks in this game and Axner was able to jump over 
Heindal in the center block jump around this block. She was shooting to the left, to the right. So it was just, yeah. it was an incredible performance. Really smart shooting. Like it wasn't just, like you said, it was shooting around the block. It was using the block, sending the keeper the wrong way or the keeper was, you know, you know, these situations, the block takes one side, the keeper takes the other. The keeper was just stranded there on so many occasions. And uh, it was funny looking at like Sandra Toft, who is having being so dominant, just looking, I'm almost kind of, almost kind of laughing at times, like saying, this is ridiculous. Like, how how is she the one who's finding a way past me today? <laughs> <laughs> Natalie Hagman on the win, and everyone was thinking, that's that's the, the showdown there between ha- Hagman and Toft. And then a, a 20-year-old that no one's ever heard of pops up and, and does that. But there was something uh, Henny Reistad-esque yeah. about how she was playing. I don't know if that was just me, like, but there was something about her bounce and the way she was shooting that was just like, it reminded me a bit of, of Henny herself. The jump, I thought, is a lot like Henny. She is, she's shorter than Henny, but uh, the jump, I, I feel, is quite similar. Yeah, uh, the jump shot. So, yeah, really exciting. It definitely adds um, adds a different dimension to this Swedish team. And uh, we were talking about it as well, just like uh, Thomas Axner, just how delighted he must have been. Because I'm sure every step of the way here for her as a player, uh, and she's spoken about this as well, like, it's been oh is she good enough really or is she just like thomas saxonera's daughter you know at every step there's always been that little more to prove uh that little bit of doubt about whether she's getting these advantages because of because of her dad um and again in this team but she she owned it against denmark and it was really nice to see the rest of the team thomas barely looked at her but the rest of the team were acting like a bunch of older sisters like really like giving her the love that i'm sure Thomas, when when they were, you know, in the hotel later, he gave her gave her a nod of approval. <laughs> <laughs> the the much desired nod of ap- yes. approval from a, a coaching dad. Sufficient, <laughs> <laughs> but it it ended up like the game ended twenty five twenty three to Denmark, and it ended up being a really close game after a blowout first half, a, a blowout kind of first forty forty five minutes, and it. it kind of changed the dynamics um for the teams coming out of it so for for sweden they've come out with a new star on the team some kind of energy going into the main round because of that half from tirax where in the first half it looked like sweden didn't want to be on the court that looked like they didn't want to be in the country that they, they were ready to take <laughs> the flight home <laughs> like and and like you that. know the, the feeling could could have carried on it could have carried on into the main round and it would have been tough to lift their heads but you know trx there managed to lift uh, the team and on the other side uh, denmark of course played a fantastic game but there's just like a little little kink on that performance then um, in the end it kind of felt if the game was going to go five seven minutes longer maybe sweden would have come back into it fully because it was really they were really getting close there towards the end and i feel like they were just building on that momentum that she was adding so it towards the end it was it was getting a bit hairy and you can see some of the danish players reaction after the final whistle as well they're like oh hey <laughs> exactly yes <laughs> and they're a bit like what the hell was that <laughs> What just happened? We were dominating that game, and then towards the end, they just kind of scraped it. You know, it's not—it's not so unusual. Oh, it's not so unusual in these type of games. And I was speaking uh, to uh, Ola Selby from Sweden, Handballskanalen beforehand, and I was like, "It really should be a close game," but at the same time, it wouldn't be a huge surprise if one of the teams just doesn't show up today, because that happens in these kind of games as well. We've seen it 
at the top level of both men's and women's handball. It just so happened that it happened to both teams in each half. <laughs> No, mm. and Sweden were always going to come back in some manner. I think like it was never going to be as bad as it was in the first half, but uh, Axner kind of propelled them up even closer than the five goal loss that maybe they deserved at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. But I think both both teams go into the main round knowing that when their defense is working, I mean Sweden's defense was still good. They only conceded twenty five goals. They, their attack was what let them down for the most part. But both teams know that when the defense is working, they can. Uh, really shut down any team and that's uh it's gonna be quite a battle in the main round slovenia the hosts um suitably flustered i think uh by serbia for about 20 30 minutes in the first half but uh serbia had no depth in the backcourt in the end and uh i said it in the commentary at the time like when they were leading all the backcourt players were shooting their lights out but uh, they only had four backcourt players in the end and they ran out of steam losing that 27-24 Serbia uh, go out of the championship but uh, with an extra iPad and phone to take home with them <laughs> will, will we uh, <laughs> delve into that we may delve into that another time we've already been recording 37 minutes I'll, we'll leave that in as an easter egg and people can, can come up with their own conclusions and then we'll <laughs> Well, it is. It's it's public public knowledge these days, so we're not breaking any news. <laughs> let, let, no, let's just finish in this. Right, I think this right. might be fun yeah. for the two of yeah. you. Right, just so I'm gonna ask you a few a few random. We haven't done Group A yet. Stat questions here. Ah, who cares about the worst? Group a? The worst group let's of all. Lads, Switzerland got a point. That's great. Switzerland got a point. No, that, that was, was nice. really nice. I think uh, they should have got the win in, in reality. It's kind of the perfect result for everyone. You know, uh, Switzerland got their pride and a point. Croatia uh, had no impact in their main round hopes. Uh, so Mia Emenegger, 17 goals in the end for the 17-year-old. She played two hours and 55 minutes of the three hours she could have possibly played. I do feel bad for Switzerland in that game because uh, they did too well. Uh, and that's why they didn't win. Uh, let me explain that, <laughs> if, if that doesn't make any sense. So the the thing is, they were... Um, they're losing by four goals uh, on the 50th minute. It looked like game over. And then they came back into it. And that's where I, uh, that's where the four goals is in my head. Cause Switzerland needed to win by four goals. If Switzerland won by four goals, they would go through, but they managed to get ahead. And on the 59th minute, they were 26, 24 up. So if they are one goal up, I think this game kind of ends and peters out. But there were two goals up, which meant that Switzerland, for a second, they were like, actually, we can get through. And they played a, a very open attack, so they or an open defense, so they tried to get the steals, and that let Croatia get an extra goal and then a last-second goal out of that. So because they had an opportunity to go through, they played a little bit more open, and in the end, that led to Croatia equalizing and uh kind of breaking some hearts so they, they did too well in that game uh, but exciting for switzerland the modern icarus tale they shot for the sun and ended up with a draw norway were almost tested by hungary <laughs> before 
winning 32-22. Their squad depth, I think, uh, not really been tested yet. I think we barely talked about Norway so far, and that's usually the case. We wait until the main round before talking about Norway, uh, except to say they uh, finished the preliminary round with a goal difference of plus 36. <laughs> but I think I think with Norway... Uh, yeah. No, we're talking about Norway next week. <laughs> uh, no, but... Uh, I will say that I think Norway have a gauntlet to run out of that group B. Oh, yeah. that they're matched up in the main round. You know, they're going Big to have time. to play Sweden, Denmark, and Slovenia. I, I, I'll throw Slovenia as a real challenge there as well. And it's it's not going to be easy. There, there's no uh, walkovers there. So they really have a gauntlet in this main round. They're nice and rested for it at least so uh that usually helps Norway but it's going to be it's going to be pretty interesting so Brian come on hit it you were going to give us some stats you can you can introduce that again just a bit of a fun game to finish I guess between the two of you now okay. right um which team do you think had the fastest fastest shot for example how's it a guess Montenegro Alex uh, uh Slovenia Romania mm. 114.98. I don't know who the player was. I'd have to go into the sheet. And download it, so, uh, we'll just we'll keep it simple. <laughs> if you're fans at home, you can look it up. Uh, the most... <laughs> the laziest quiz muscle of all time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, which team... Basilu for See, uh, Romania. Don't even know who she is. Uh, the team with the most assists... Don't be okay, looking at yourself now. Uh, the team with the most assists, I would say, it'd be Norway. Montenegro. Oh, Norway number one, Montenegro oh, number two. That's because nice. that's because of Rajcevic, who has been insane. Over the first two games, she averaged uh, 10.5 assists a game. She's just been controlling, I think, overall, she had five in the last game. Right? And, and my reasoning for Norway is what I said before, they're goal difference of plus 36 (laughs) (laughs) i'm just assuming they've been passing teams to death uh which team has had the most turnovers Uh, conceded or forced conceded (sighs) uh Uh, germany north macedonia north macedonia Uh, that's fair enough yes poland number poland number two which Mm. is a bit surprising top seven meter scores Spain. Correct. Oh, fucking hell. (laughs) That's incredible. 81.8% efficiency. Number of blocks. Denmark. Well, Alex. (laughs) Yeah, you win this one, Katrina (laughs) Heindel. Katrina (laughs) Heindel. I think she probably has more blocks than about half of the teams in competition. It says here France. (sighs) Okay. Oh, Did, were they were they all of Denmark's blocks for the whole tournament though? Those seven. No, but the, I think there was about three or four more in that game as well. Maybe it was just so concentrated. Okay, um, fair enough. I tell you what, sorry, just looking at the official stats here, Alex, you're going to be really disappointed to see that uh, Katrina Heindel has registered six six uh, blocks. So she really hasn't gotten the the love that she deserves on the uh, stats. But to be honest, the Celia stat, uh, the people doing the stats in Celia were not very good. I think I'm allowed to say that they were not very good. So I think that they, they did miss a lot of stuff. Ah. Number of goalkeeper saves, uh, Norway. Nope, Norway are second. Oh. Um, 
Goalkeeper saves. France. France, 46. The, this is a, you're not going to know this one. Highest jump. A bit of a weird one to finish. Norway. Uh, which team? This is really surprising. Oh, yeah. Surprising. Oh, surprising. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I didn't see them jumping this high at all. Uh, from North Macedonia? <laughs> yeah, it says here, North Macedonia, 74 centimeters. <laughs> I didn't see them jumping at all, really. Um, <laughs> maybe jumping after the ball, after the uh, conceded a turnover. But anyways, we'll leave it there. It's another episode of the Uninformed Handball Hour. We'll see you today, Thursday, for a live stream starting at Alex. Which time? We'll have the big match predictor show. Before that, uh, Chris will be on uh, the Home of Handball Twitch channel from 4 p.m. Central European time for a preview show. And then uh, me, Brian, will join for the full main round match predictor show. So literally predicting every single result in the main round uh how are we doing in the league boys Who, who's top mm. i think brian is still top oh i think i dropped a bit <laughs> I, I i think i'm still top in the hour small league but i went from eight, eight overall i think down to like 46 then because i only registered 15 points i think uh i i went I, I went for a bit of a wild card i uh I went for Netherlands to win in my predictions, which which has dropped me a little bit further. But I, no, Brian, you're winning uh, out of the three of us. You're on 123 I... points after the preliminary round, and me and Chris are both on 110. So oh, uh, a lot to play for. Uh, do tell us if if you're listening. Write to us, tweet us, Instagram us. Tell us uh, what the forfeit should be for the loser of this uh, trio. Everyone, take care. Thank you for listening and see you live on Twitch on Thursday. Goodbye. (laughs)